gather together to praise our God. Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you again another week. My name is Pastor Matt. I'm one of the associate pastors here at Nowood, and I just want to welcome you here. Uh, this morning, we're going to be uh, going and continuing through uh, our series in Acts. We're going to be in Acts 28. We're almost done. This is the last chapter. Acts 28. We have this, uh, this week and then next week, and then we'll be done in the book of Acts. And it's been good. It's been great. But as we've walked through it, we've probably noticed Paul has been through the ringer. He's, he's gone through a lot. Even just last chapter, he was a prisoner. He was, he was beaten. He was chained up. He's been in a storm, and now he's on, in a shipwreck. And we might ask this question, well, he's got to have made it to Rome at this point, right? Like, he He's gone through a lot of stuff. He should be where he's supposed to be getting to. He should be in Rome. Well, not quite. He's not quite yet there. God has a little something more planned for Paul. A little something more before he gets to Rome. A little detour, we could call it. And we see detours in our life all the time. I hate seeing detours when I'm driving through the city and there's construction and it says you have to turn right here and I'm like no I want to go straight I want to get through this is going to take me out of the way of where I want to go it's frustrating right sometimes we try to take detours on our own and make uh, try to be efficient and save some time and go a different path and that doesn't always work out well does it sometimes we hit something else uh, we miss a turn or we go the wrong way, and then it doesn't save us time. It actually makes us more late. All right, so sometimes we're forced into detours, and sometimes we take detours ourselves. But what do we do when the detour really sets you back? What do you do when the detour is not the plan that you had in mind? Do we sit and complain? Do we get impatient and sulk? Everybody put up their hand, yeah? Me too. Do we get angry and cause more destruction because we lose control? Yes. Life can be full of detours. Our own decisions we make and take us off course. We're hoping that we can take the easy track around. And sometimes detours are forced upon us. Maybe a lost job, an unexpected bill, a car breaks down. Maybe a loved one has passed away, right? Love, or life doesn't go always in the way that we want it to. And we take these detours or we are just given these detours in our life. But I pray that as we look through Acts 28 this morning, we will see how God works deeply in the detours of our life. As he works deeply in this detour that Paul is taking so if you could just turn with me to Acts 28, 28, that's a big number, that's a chapter, and we're going to be starting in verse 1 together. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, there's blue Bibles in the, the chairs in front of you, you're welcome to have that, we encourage you to take it home with you and read it, um, but let's turn to Acts 28 together this morning and read. Acts 28 says this, after we were brought safely through We then learned that the island was called Malta. 
The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, Paul, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dys dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly, and when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered on the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there, we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up. And on the second day, uh, second day we came to Pudoli. There, we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as a forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when, we, and when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Holy God, we stand in awe of you this morning. God, as we read from your word, God, we see your holiness, your majesty, and your power. God, I pray that we continue to see it as we walk through this passage this morning. God, your word is truth, and may we see it rightly as that. Lord, grant us a hunger and desire to know your truth and to be in your truth. Lord, guide us in wisdom and understanding that we would know the meaning of this text and how it points us to Christ. Lord, increase our love for you and for one another. Lord, help us apply this passage to our lives today that we would be changed by your word through the working of your Holy Spirit, that we would be obedient followers of Christ. Lord, help me to preach your word with boldness and gentleness, that you will be centered, that you will be glorified as you continue to save and sanctify your people. God, for your glory, do a mighty work that only you can. Amen. Well, as we walk through this small passage together, we see how God takes tragedy and creates opportunity. After we were brought safely through, Luke says, now I don't know about you, but that phrase kind of gets me because when I look at what hap what's happening, it doesn't seem like they've fully been brought safely through yet, right? They're still not in Rome. There's still more traveling and more things to come. But Luke says they were brought safely through. Right? They were shipwrecked on this island of Malta. 
But God has certainly brought them through a lot, right? Through the storms, through the dangers, and they are now safely on this island. Not just Paul, not just Luke and Aristarchus, but the whole crew has been brought safely through, right? And this is what Pastor Chris talked about last week, how God brings us through even the disasters, right? In the very end of chapter 27, it says, and so it was that all were brought safely to land. How would you react being shipwrecked on an island? Would you call that safe? Probably not. But I didn't see the plan and the purpose that God had if I was on that island, right? I need to have my eyes open to see the opportunity. Because reality is, they, they've discovered that the name of this island was Malta. And that name in the Phoenician language is a place of refuge. God brought them safely through to a place of refuge. Right? It wasn't what I would consider refuge, but God brought them safely to refuge. They were brought, right? They didn't get there on their own safely. They were brought safely through. Not by their own strength, but by God's strength. God was at work protecting them, preserving them for his purpose as he has promised them. He was faithful in doing that, that they would have safe refuge and that Paul would make it to Rome. And for so, God was going to use us for so much more as we continue to see through this passage as God brings them to refuge but continues to use them on this little detour on the island of Malta. Because they were brought safely through into the storm into another situation. Now they're on this island, right? In most cases, we'd consider this suboptimal conditions, right? This is not what we would consider great and safe. But for them, it's better than perishing at sea, Right? And God has something amazing in store than just protecting and preserving them. He was going to use them for his purpose and glory. So as they're brought safely to this island, they meet the native people on the island. In other translations, it even uses this word barbarians, which is intimidating. But the word used is more referring to a non-Greek-speaking people. So they're close to Rome, they're close to this area, but they were non-Greek-speaking people. But perhaps uncharacteristically to what we think these people would do, right, especially we call them barbarians, they showed 200-plus crew members an unusual kindness. An unusual kindness. They kindled a fire and welcomed them in from the rain and the cold. Right? If someone just walks into your house from the rain and the cold, I don't know if we would also show the same unusual kindness. But these people did. This word kindness as an adjective is what was used for uh, Jesus' yoke in Matthew 11. An easy or a kind yoke. And so this kindness that these shipwrecked crew members experienced, that Paul experienced is an experience of God's kindness, of God's easy yoke. For it was God behind all of this. It was God who was working. It was God who was working through these people to bring refuge, to bring kindness to Paul and to the crew. 
God was working what was meant for evil for good. God was using disasters to create opportunities. Have you ever experienced a deep, unwarranted, or unusual kindness in your life? There's one time where uh, when I went to Prairie for college, I had to go a day early, so there was no one else on campus. I was pretty much alone. It was terrifying. I felt sick, and I felt like I was going to puke pretty much the entire day. I was very nervous. I was very anxious. It was my first time leaving from home. It was my first time going to a new place. But there's people who showed me an unusual kindness by God's providential plan, and it's amazing as I look back to see uh, missionaries from our church called the Yingers. They knew, a weird coincidence, uh, missionaries in Three Hills, Alberta, called the Wingers. Yeah. But on that day, the Yingers actually messaged the Wingers, and uh, they told them that I was going to be in Three Hills. And that very hour, they came to my dorm room, and they walked me around Three Hills. They bought me orange juice, and they showed me their house, and they invited me to come for dinner uh, later on in the week. And then that relationship started to grow, and they would invite me pretty much every other week for dinner. They'd invite me to come and use their washing machine so I didn't have to pay money to wash my clothes. Students, you know, the struggle of that, right? It was an unusual kindness because they didn't know me. I wasn't giving them anything, but they showed an unusual kindness. And even if there wasn't that connection between the Yingers, I believe they still probably would have found me because they weren't just doing this with me. They were doing this with other students as well. And it's not just because Three Hills is small and it only has 3,000 people. It's because they had a heart to show God's kindness to people who needed it. They continue to do it even now. Every single year as new students come in, they, they go to the campus and they meet these people and show an amazing kindness. But what's more is they pray for those students. They share Christ with those students. And it's amazing to just experience that kind of kindness because it points us to God's unusual kindness. It's the kindness of the gospel that Jesus showed by going to the cross for us. Of Jesus willingly dying according to God's will. This plan to be the sacrifice and the payment for our sins. What an unwarranted and deep kindness that he would save us. Guilty, evil, sinners destined and deserving of hell. That he would step in our place, that he would die a horrendous death, that he would bear God's holy and righteous wrath. That he would forgive us, that he would save us, that he would adopt us as his children, that he would bring us safely through to our refuge, which is Christ. What a tragedy, right, that we see that God turned into an amazing opportunity for salvation and for his glory. And God continues to do that as he shows Paul, the unusual kindness to these people, as he shows Paul this amazing protection that he has for him, because God is faithful and he will fulfill his promises, just as he promised through Christ 
that he would save us. And so as we continue on through, we see that Paul was gathering a bundle of sticks to put them on the fire uh, to help out these people. Because obviously, if there's 200 people, you're going to have a pretty big fire. You're going to need a lot, right, to stoke that fire. And so Paul was going to gather sticks and put them on. And one more thing comes, a snake. And it fastens onto his hand. And as the Maltese people's reaction, it would seem that the snake was poisonous. They were waiting for Paul to swell up. They are waiting for Paul to die. And in their heads, they looked at Paul and they said, he's guilty. He's guilty of murder. And though he got through uh, the judgment of the sea, he is not going to get through this. Justice is going to have the last laugh. Paul would get his due from the snake bite. Although safe from sea and shipwreck, he's done in by a snake. What a way to go. But nothing happened. Just like how God didn't let the snake or Satan win in the garden or on the cross, the snake doesn't win here either. There's no harm that comes to Paul. As he shakes it off into the fire, what a picture, what an illustration for us of what God has done through Jesus, crushing the head of the snake and as one day casting him into the fire, when we'll be done with sin and evil forever. We'll be with God in glory when Christ returns, just like we talked about with the kids in family worship. God is the judge. God is the one who is just. He will have the victory. And nothing will thwart his plan. Not even a snake. The lack of swelling or death of Paul, changed the islanders' perspective of him. They really went from two extremes, didn't they? They went from him being a murderer to him being a god. And this might remind us of Acts 14, when the people of Lystra called Paul and Barnabas a god. Right? The difference being that the people of Lystra tried to worship and offer sacrifices to them. We don't read that happening here. But what we do read is that the people recognized that there was something different about Paul. They had it wrong. He wasn't a god. They had that part wrong. But they saw something different. They saw God's power. They saw God's protection. They saw God's preservation. They just put it on the wrong thing. But God's now using this, what would be tragedy, and turning it into an opportunity once again. The snake bite should have killed Paul. But now God's going to use it to put his glory on display. To create a situation where Paul will interact with these people on the island. To be able to have conversation. To be able to point to why he survived. Another tragedy overturned into opportunity. The snake bite led to an opportunity to get an audience with Publius, the chief man. We'll read that in uh, verse 7, right? In this neighborhood of this place were the lands belonging to the chief man of the island. And he received Paul, most likely because he got bit by a poisonous snake and lived. Right? This Publius wanted to meet Paul. He's like, I don't know how this guy survived, but I want to meet him. I want to talk to him. And Publius was hospitable, right? He brought him in. And through this interaction, God would use Paul to bring healing. And the gospel the Maltese people, and bless Paul along with it. 
But we read a, one more tragedy in this passage. Publius's father was sick with what is understood to be the Malta fever and dysentery, something that Pepto-Bismol cannot cure. It cannot help with that. It cannot relieve that. But Paul could help through God's power in him. Opportunity arose, and it reminds me of what Jesus said in uh, John chapter 9, when the disciples saw this blind man and asked him, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus answered them, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. God uses these things, these detours, these tragedies, these troubles, that his works might be displayed. And so Paul prayed. And Paul laid his hands on Publius' father, and his father was healed. And God's works were indeed on display as more people brought those who had diseases, who needed to be cured, and Paul healed them. These detours of tragedies were turned to opportunity for God to be at work, for God's works to be on display, for the gospel to be proclaimed. And knowing Paul, he was there for three months. He definitely shared the gospel. Are we content with how God protects us even in the detours? The amazing times that he's protected us from things? Or do we sometimes react to these detours that come into our life and think this is a waste of time? This is not helpful. This is hard. This is discouraging. Do we face it with disdain or discontent? Or do we see it as a gospel opportunity? We see it as a time that God's works can be on display through us and in our life that others might know him and glorify him and worship him and come to Christ in faith. Is it a time for us to just grieve our circumstances or is it a time for us to grow as we go and be on mission for God? I know that some of these detours in our life can be incredibly tragic and painful. But with eyes fixed on the gospel, with eyes fixed on Christ, our advocate, our example, can we not also take this detour? Can we not also follow in Jesus' footsteps as he went to the cross? We don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with us. He understands. He's been through it. He knows. But he did not sin. So let us not fall into the temptation of walking away from God and what he desires for us to do, even when it's hard, even when it feels like a detour from the plan that we have set. Because Jesus was tempted in every way. He wasn't tempted to go another way, but instead he said, not my will, but yours be done. In Luke 22, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. In the end, Paul had an opportunity to share the gospel, to be a blessing to these people, to receive provision from the voyage to Rome. His eyes were fixed on Christ. Paul stayed on mission even in the difficult detours, that his, and his situation didn't change his mission. 
Nate shared a great quote from Ed Stetzer that he saw last weekend um, at the Feb National Conference. And Ed Stetzer said this, the moment that we are in doesn't pause the mission that we are on. The moment we're in doesn't pause the mission we are on. Regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in, God wants us there. And God's going to use us there. And so we don't sit back and stop the mission that he has us going on. We don't make excuses to not be on mission, like we don't have enough time, or we're too tired, or it's too hard, or we don't care, it's not important, this isn't how I want to do it. No, we trust God. We walk with faith. We spend time in his word to know his will for us. We come to church, we gather together, we pray with one another, we encourage one another, we praise God in worship, and we stay on mission of making much of Christ as we go and share the good news of the gospel. Right, how quickly do we want to rush past these detours? How quickly do we want to complain or get worked up or get anxious of seemingly inconvenient situations? Instead of having a gospel lens to see the opportunity and the purposeful plan of God to bring glory to his name and joy and blessing to his people. If we just see it as tragedy, then that's all we're ever going to see it as. And we'll miss the mission that God has us on. We have no idea what God has in store, what God has planned for these detours in our life. How he will use it possibly for the salvation of others. Isaiah 55 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. May this humble us as we stand in awe of a God who is high above our own ways and our own thoughts, far beyond what we could imagine. Right, the timing and place that God has you in is not random and it's not a waste. Let me encourage you in that. He has you here this morning even. Perhaps to just hear the gospel for the first time. Maybe to take that first step of faith in trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe he has you here to pray for someone else. To point them to a scripture that God's spoken to you as you've been in your Bible this week. Maybe to share the gospel with someone else, to encourage someone else, to point their eyes to Jesus as they're walking through a difficult circumstance. Maybe to honor someone today and shed light on the work that God is doing. Right? Each of these moments, each of these things, God will use for his glory. Paul had three months with these people. And I know he took the time with his eyes on Christ, with his eyes on the gospel, to share from his word, from God's word and from his experience. May we not miss these opportunities as well. God, use these people to provide care even, to send off the crew with what they needed. And God was going to continue to show his faithfulness as he brings Paul to Rome. So as we move into verse 11, we see how these detours bring us to our destination. After three months, they're finally able to set sail, right? That's a long detour. Even three minutes for me, out of my way, feels like a lot. Imagine three months. They're finally able to set sail. 
as they have a ship that had been staying over the winter, they are able to leave for Rome. And had the depiction of two Greek gods known as Castor and Pollux, and they were seen as protectors and those that helped with navigation. But we know, as we've already walked through this passage, it's clear that God is actually the one who's continuing to protect and direct Paul on his journey. Bringing them first to Syracuse, where they stayed for three days, then to Regium as an important port city, right? There was still a path that they needed to take to rest we read that God provided a south wind that took them up to Pudeli. Here they meet brothers who have come to see Paul and invited him to stay with them for seven days. In this, God is continuing to provide and encourage Paul as he brings them even closer to Rome. And at this time, we'd already, Paul would have already written his letter to the Roman church. It actually would have been written about three years prior. And so there would have been these Christians in Rome who would have read from Paul's letter, who would have been working and serving in the church together, who are now coming to connect with Paul. What an encouragement to see what God has been doing while Paul hasn't even been there. What an encouragement for Paul as he gets there to see that God is already at work. What an encouragement for Paul to see brothers coming and encouraging him through God's word, and through what God has been doing. And so we read as we walk through that Paul has finally gotten to Rome, reaching the place that God has promised. It did take some detours. It did take some difficult terrain, some disasters, some tragedies. But they were brought safely through to refuge. Just as God had promised in Acts 1.8, as he calls them to go and share and be witnesses to all the ends of the earth. Right? Paul's already seen God at work in Rome. And in Acts 23, as Paul tells him to take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. This is God's promise. God didn't lie. God didn't forget. God wasn't thrown off by the storm. God wasn't thrown off by the snake. God wasn't stopped in doing what he said he would do. And God is capable to accomplish it. God filled this journey with opportunity and encouragement to Paul. With opportunity to share the gospel. Who knows how these people on the island of Malta would have heard the gospel if Paul had not gone there. And these brothers come and encourage Paul as he now heads to Rome and has another big task ahead of him. He's now reached the destination, but there's more to come. And I'm sure there's more detours that will hit Paul as well. But as these brothers come to encourage Paul, Paul responds in two ways. And we can read that together in verse 15. And the brothers were there, and they heard about us, and they came from far. And seeing them, as Paul looked at these brothers, Paul thanked God and took courage. Church, as I see us gathering even today, I thank God. What an encouragement it is to just see you here, gathering together worshiping together, praising our God together. 
those who are saved in Christ, those who God has called to himself and has worked a mighty work that only he could. What an encouragement. And I thank God. But it begs us the question, do we respond to thankfulness in those detours? Do we respond in thankfulness to God for the journey? Do we respond in thankfulness for the protection and the provision for his faithful promises? I pray that we are a church that has grateful hearts. Grateful hearts for what God has done for us. So Paul thanks God, and he also takes courage. Church, I pray that as we gather together, as we see one another, we can take courage, because it's a reminder of what our God can do. We all come from different walks of life. We all come from uh, different situations, different uh, detours. But God has brought us all here together. God has saved us. What can God not do? Like all things are possible. God will work it in his will and his way as he has promised because he is faithful. And this can give us courage, right? What can we face that God cannot handle? Nothing. And so let us walk forward with courage. Don't continue to walk in fear. So when we finally see all of this come together, when we finally see Paul getting to Rome as God has promised, I'm sure Paul looked back on that journey and just thought, wow, look at what our God has done. After all those difficult steps going forward, we can look back and be in awe of God's amazing work. We can thank him and take more courage as we continue the journey forward with him. Those moments, just looking back, are amazing. I cannot wait until we get to glory and look back and see, God, what amazing things you have done. I thank you, God. I praise you, God. For the sufferings will not compare with the glorious riches of being with God. For the glory that is to be revealed to us, as Romans 8, 18 says. Nothing is wasted, no time is wasted when we surrender to the one who knows the end from the beginning, the one who has our journey set out for us, the one who works all these things for our good and for his glory. The reality is, is, as we look at this passage, we see that God uses these detours for his gospel, his goal, and his glory. Right? Eternity is the destination. That's where we're headed. That's where we're heading to go to, right? Life is this journey, and there seems to be a lot of detours, but the reality is, is God's using all these events, difficulties, hardships, and good times for his glory and purpose. As we look at this, we see there's actually no detours in God's plan. It's not a detour. It's set out. God is sovereign. God is providential. He has set this out for us, for his purpose, for his glory, for his goals, and for his gospel. And that might mean difficulty. That might mean tragedy. But it's not a detour. God is taking you exactly where he wants you to go. God has you exactly where he wants you to be. And God will 
use it. As we look at the Bible, we read the Bible, as we see it as a whole, there weren't detours there. It seems like it, but there isn't. The cross wasn't a detour. It was the purposeful, powerful plan from the beginning. Before the foundation of the world, he chose us. And when Adam and Eve sinned, he promised the one to come to crush the snake. Jesus was promised and prophesied throughout the ups and downs in the wilderness in exile. And when God the Son stepped down from his throne and added to himself humanity and came as a lowly babe from the Virgin Mary and lived a sinless life but was killed on the cross and died, God wasn't surprised. He wasn't like, "Uh uh-oh, this isn't the right way. God hadn't lost. He had his plan all along, and Jesus rose again. The grave is empty. That wasn't a detour. So don't tell me that your detour in life isn't where God wants you. It's going to be hard. God's going to bring us through the ringer at times. But he has us in his hand. And as we look to Christ and see Christ on the cross and see that he rose again, that the grave is empty, we can trust and take courage as we face everything in our life. Because he knew and he knows and he has you right where he wants you for his gospel, for his goals, for his glory. Not our will, but his be done. Church, I pray we surrender that to him now that we rest in that truth today. It may seem out of place. It may seem off time. It might seem difficult and painful. But God is purposely bringing us through it for the gospel, for our growth, for his glory. If the gospel is the goal, then the detours won't matter because they aren't detours. They're just another step on the journey home to God. God's been working this out, but for the foundation of the world. He's known you. He's chosen you from the beginning to the end. And so, church, I pray we are a people of courage. I pray we are a people of gratitude. And let us be a people who stay on mission. Jesus' mission to bring the message of what he has done on the cross, that he died for our sins, that he rose again. Would you pray with me? Holy and awesome God, I praise you and thank you, God, for your word. God, that we can come to your word, that we can hear from you, God, that all scripture is breathed out by you, and God, that it points us to the hope that we have in Christ. God, I thank you that there are no detours in this life. God, as we rest and trust in you, the one who holds all things in his hand, the one who created all things, the one who is sovereign over all, the one who is holy and perfect, the one who is good and loving, who is kind. You are the one who's in control. And so God, may we surrender that to you now. God, if we are struggling with that, God, may we surrender that to you now and trust in you. Trust that you have all things in your hand. And God, I I pray that you focus our eyes on Christ. God, as we look to the truth of the gospel, It will help us to see that these detours aren't detours, but they're opportunities. 
God, as you lead us towards the destination, which is eternity with you. God, may our hearts be set on eternity. God, may our hearts be set on Christ. God, may that flow out of our hearts to show the love that you have first shown us. God, to share the good news of the gospel. God, to be a people who are courageous, a people who are uh, uh, gracious, God, a people who have gratitude. And God, a people who stay on mission for your glory, for your goal, and God, for your gospel. God, may you be honored and glorified in all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.